don't be afraid of what other people think. Don't be afraid of failure. Don't be afraid of not being good enough. Those aren't real fears. Just limiting yourself. Hi, it's Holly Ransom here. Welcome one and all to Coffee Pods, Fuel Your Difference, a podcast for the change makers and the game changers. This podcast is built around a simple hypothesis. How long does it take to learn from someone's lifetime of experience? Coffee. So in the time it takes us to share a cup of coffee with our guests or for you to enjoy one as you listen along, we're going to tap into the lifetime of experience of some truly remarkable people who've driven significant change. I'm a big believer that success leaves clues. And be it putting an audacious idea into action, shifting a team culture, or even a country's for that matter, or using their influence to drive progress, all our guests have powerful insights, pragmatic tips, and passionate calls to action that can help each of us to fuel the positive difference we're all working to create in our lives, organisations, and communities. Well, Coffee Potters, I'm not sure if we've had a guest quite like this before. Our guest today is Sifu Singh, a speaker, author, and a high-performance coach. He's a teacher of military, special forces, secret service, SWAT teams, and over 100 law enforcement agencies across the globe. How's this? He's a 23rd generation Tai Chi master, and he's responsible for spreading Bruce Lee's martial arts and philosophical legacy. He is a master and a teacher of more martial arts than I know how to name and half of which I know how to pronounce. It's quite extraordinary uh, the degree to which he has pursued his craft in this regard. Sifu is really a world leader in martial arts, functional fitness and mindset development. And today's conversation is going to really delve into these core building blocks that he applies so successfully, not only in his own life, but in the work that he does in high pressure, zero margin for error situations. It's going to be a real practical toolkit kind of podcast where you're going to walk away with things to add to your to-do list, habits to build into your daily routine that can help you perform under pressure, cope with stress and get the job done. It's a really phenomenal chat. And without further ado, here's Sifu Singh. Sifu, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. I can't tell you how much I've been looking forward to this conversation. I've got to admit, researching you, I struggle to wrap my head around everything that you do, the number of martial arts that you're involved with, the disciplines that you're working across. How is it that you describe yourself? I'm just a student. You know, at the end of the day, uh, the word master is thrown around too easily. And yes, I have it from my martial arts and stuff like that. But I think that the most important thing is to just always be a student, a student of life, a student of experiences, a student of discovering the cause of your own ignorance. And if we go on that path, we're always growing. And, uh, you know, as that saying goes, uh, flowing water never grows stale. And uh, that's been kind of my philosophy. One of the things I found fascinating is that, if I'm right, you're part of an unbroken lineage of martial arts masters, right? Yeah, yeah. It goes back 23 generations, 2,000 years. I can trace back. So I've been very lucky in finding the right teachers. From what I've been reading, you started very young through your grandfather and your dad into the martial arts training. How, tell us about that, those early days. How did you get started? So I was about six years old. Uh, my dad traveled a lot, so he was a sea captain. And uh, he wanted to make sure that, you know, I was able to defend myself. And so we immigrated to Toronto, Canada from India when, uh, when I was very young. 
And when I was six years old, we got put into karate because he wanted me to be able to defend myself and my mom because we were alone all by ourselves. So I don't know how much a six-year-old could do to defend her mom, but uh, that's when the way that's when it started. So discipline and courage, and confidence, and that was really the reason behind it. And uh, I learned so much more from it than punching and kicking, which I love. Okay, don't get me wrong. <laughs> There's a place for that, but uh, really, you learn to win that war within. You know, the enemy. Who are you really? How do you act and react in situations? And, when you really get to know that conversation, then when you're placed in uncomfortable situations, you know how to adapt because you know who you are and you're grounded in the space and you've been discovering it from the start. Oftentimes people think martial arts is about fighting. It's actually about learning how not to fight because when you do know how to fight, when you are aware of what's happening around you, most of the time you can avoid the situation. So it's really the art of fighting without fighting. The biggest thing that all of us deal with is discomfort. We don't like discomfort. Right? And it's natural because you're uncomfortable. But the real secret of success in anything, whether it's martial arts or athletics or entrepreneurship or technology, is your ability to make yourself comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. That's a skill. That's a muscle that has to be developed. And then once you start to do that, the next piece is self-discovery. you got to know who you are. Who are you really? How do you act and react when... Everything's going crazy. Your world is crumbling around you. Then the real version of you comes out. When everything's good, it's good. It's all good, right? And when everybody's happy and high five. But when life gives you situations that you didn't expect, that are uncomfortable, can you make yourself happy in that situation to get out of that situation? Because that's the only way out. Otherwise, that negative voice starts off in your head. And that's the thing in martial arts. We learn to like kill that voice, to shut it down and then replace it with something else, which is positive. And then from there, we kick into the no mind, which is the most beautiful state of existence, the flow state. When you're operating in the flow state, like right now, we're both here sitting and talking and connecting. We're right here right now. It's a beautiful thing, right? When I'm talking to my son, talking to my wife, same thing. But I learned it through martial arts. Because um, when I was very young, about 13 years old, I lost my hair to alopecia, Ariadne. So I was 13 years old, and then I went inside. And I went inside and like, oh, is everybody looking at me, all this, and starting analyzing things. And then I was an engineer once upon a time in my life. Again, very analytical, so up in my head thinking all the time. So it's very hard to get out of that. And you're watching a movie in your mind of what's about to happen or, or, or obsessed about something that's already happened. And you're not right here right now where life happens. And through martial arts and studying my opponent, being able to connect to my opponent, that attribute wore off in my life. I'm like, wait a sec, I need to use these same skills in, in my life. And it, and it just kind of transferred that way. I love the messages that you had to share there. You know, I think this piece around being comfortable, being uncomfortable, oh my gosh, the way that resonates with where the world is heading right now and the the lack of, of certainty and surety around the future of work and the changing dynamic we're dealing with. And then this piece around knowing yourself, I think similarly has increasingly relevant application uh, when, you know, career paths have never been more fluid and we're, we're having to navigate decision-making um, much more frequently and with greater agility than arguably we've ever had to. But the thing I think about both of those topics is they're, they're ones people hear a lot, but don't necessarily understand how to anchor and follow through on in terms of day-to-day -day practice or week-to-week. How is it at a practical level that you can take these ideas forward? You know, is it as simple as saying you've just got to start putting yourself in uncomfortable situ situations? You've got to start asking yourself questions. How, how do you advise people take these ideas forward? Absolutely. So first thing we start with is fear. 
But let's just get down what fear is, right? So there's two kinds of fear. There's real fear and then there's projected fear. So real fear is, okay, life and death. Real fear is a tiger chasing you, right? <laughs> projected fear, which is the fear that most of us deal with because we live very comfortable lives nowadays. You know, let's be honest. Is the fear of failure? Is the fear of what other people think? Is the fear of not being good enough? Those are the real fears that most of us are dealing with. So that's the first place to start off is what is the enemy that's within? That's stopping us. That leads to the stress, the anxiety, the tension, the obsessive thinking and making your mind not at ease. So it's that fear. So once we have to start to understand who we are and what are our real fears? Are they even real? You know, are they even real? Because that's not a real fear to worry about what somebody else thinks. It's not a real fear. Like uh, public speaking, it's like the biggest fear for everybody. It doesn't even make any sense. If we think about it, it doesn't make any sense. But the reason it's a fear is because people are afraid of being judged. So that goes back to knowing who you are. So you have to take time to discover it. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? How have you dealt with opportunities and threats in the past? We have data points that we've gone through in our life. We just have to research our experiences. And when we do that, we start to see, oh man, I was great here. This is the awesome stuff I said to myself here. Oh man, when I was losing, my mind was in here saying, oh, why is this happening to me? I don't want to be in this. What is the negative talk? And we start to learn how to, the skill is to take the positive talk, the good things we say to ourselves when we're winning and be able to program our mind to say that when things are not good. We got to get rid of that enemy within that voice that tells us what we can or we can't do. And the way this is trained is by attention and awareness. We have to have attention and awareness of ourselves in the moment and be able to catch ourselves when we go in the mind to think. So meditation, for example. Everybody's tried meditation. So every time I do a presentation, I always say, how many people in the audience have tried meditation? Everybody puts their hands up. And I say, how many people are successful? <laughs> yeah, how many people are successful? And the percentage is like 2%, yeah. right? Yeah. So meditation is like this unicorn that nobody ever sees. But the idea really is that um, it's about constantly recalibrating yourself back into the moment. It's not staying in the moment because how can you go and live in this moment if we're used to obsessively thinking thousands of thoughts, you can't go from thousand to zero. So the expectations are incorrect. So before you even start any practice or start to develop this, you have to have the correct expectation. The correct expectation is, hey, I know that thoughts are going to come into my mind. Because when most people go to meditate, they say, I'm going to sit down and think of nothing. That's actually thinking of something and that's over. But if we accept that thoughts are going to come and you go back to watching yourself breathing, that's a lot easier to do. Just watch the breath come in and out. And the thought comes, no problem. But now is the fight. Mm -hmm. The fight is the thought comes, let it happen, go back to your breathing. And then that's really it. So people at home can start very simply, inhale and exhale. Just become aware of the inhale and become aware of the exhale. And then thoughts will come. Why am I doing this? Oh my God, I got to pay the bills. I got to pick up the kids. Oh, I have a presentation due. That's the enemy. So now the fight starts. So think of it as a fight. It's a mind boxing match with yourself because then slowly, step by step, what ends up happening is we start to train the mind to have attention and awareness. And it starts to become aware of when we're thinking. And it start, as it starts to become aware of when we're thinking, it brings us back into the moment. And now the moment, maybe a couple seconds, three seconds, a few minutes before the next thought comes. But you're present because the moment you realize that you're thinking, you become present for that next instant. You've won. You won. High five. You won. Now you just got to catch the next one. 
And then basically start to string together these moments of presence, one breath and one moment at a time. And then it starts to, to build. It starts to build. And then the, what's awesome is that your mind is an amazing tool. It's a muscle, really. Got to think of it that way. It then learns how to catch it on its own. Something that you can say to yourself is, uh, I'm aware that I'm breathing in. I'm aware that I'm breathing out. So I'm giving you a thought. So you have a thought that you chose as opposed to the million random thoughts that are going to come. So it's better to focus on one thing than a million random things. I love how practical you just made that because I feel like so often when we talk about uh, focus on the breath and think of nothing, it doesn't actually give people a path that ultimately allows them to be successful. Whereas this whole piece around uh, I have a thought and taking allowing your attention to go there and focus on that, I feel like is a far uh, far more likely to allow people to embrace the activity and ultimately get the benefit of being in the moment that you're talking about. It's, it's, it's very powerful. You can light a candle. This is a great exercise. You can light a candle and just look at the candle. Let that be the flame, the fire that's inside. Mm. Just focus on that. How long can you focus on that until the next thought comes? And when the next thought comes, it's okay. But because that's the match. That's why I don't like meditation as much. The connotation of it is failure. I like mind boxing. You're in a match with the preconditioned version of yourself mm -hmm. that is built upon all the stories you've told yourself, yeah. the stories everybody else has told you. And you're much greater than that. Talk to us about the application of some of the ideas that you've touched on to those high intensity, zero margin for error situations that you work in. How do they translate? It's about conservation of energy. When fear, stress, and anxiety hit you, whatever's causing this life and death situation or at home, family situation, it's just a derivative of stress. It's exactly the same thing. But what happens is that what stress does is it gives us a, a fear, is a psychological and physiological response that comes with it, gets you restricted, gets you to like come inside, like, you know, and everything tightens up. So when everything starts to tighten up, it starts to drain your energy. Now you're in a state of energy drain. So it's like you're, you're a boat and you're rowing across and you've got a hole, but your mission is to row across, but you're constantly plugging the hole or bailing out the water. So now you're your own worst enemy draining your own energy. So there's a saying that says that when stress hits you, you resort to, you only have 10% of your capabilities actually available. So you fall to that percentage. So instead of training, 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 bigger, stronger, faster, that idea, why? and just increasing your ability and only accessing 10%, my question is, how do we access more and train less of that idea? When we can start to do that, we get a balance. Now, I'm not saying don't train and work out and be strong and healthy. That's important because the body's the vehicle. But the mind, the mind is, is the engine. The mind is the general. We say the mind is the engine. The mind is the general, and the body and emotions are the battlefield. The breath is the strategy, and the chi and your energy are your soldiers. And the fighting spirit, it uplifts. Because uh, what's your spirit? You are either in high spirits or low spirits. And the definition of spirit, I'll make it very easy for you. You know, because oftentimes people are the spirit, ooh, some like hippie stuff, right? Yeah. But the spirit is really the thoughts of the mind and the feelings of the heart. So if you're constantly going in your mind, you, your spirit can't be high. If you're feeling down, sad, hurt, anger, shame, depression, your heart is going to be low. So the spirit really of how you're feeling is the combination of the thoughts of your mind, the positive things you say to yourself, or the state of no mind, the ultimate state, the flow state. And then from there, the next part is the feelings of the heart. Are you balanced with your emotions? 
And when you are, then you remember, what do we say? We uplift the spirit. That's it. We want to be in a state of uplifting the spirit, uplift our own spirit and everybody around us. But it's got to start with yourself first. It's so interesting that you say that because it really challenges our traditional notion of, of training, which is that you you go into a high pressure situation, you uh, make yourself execute under that pressure over and over again. And, and the theory is you'll build muscle memory and you'll build capability to execute in those sorts of situations. Whereas what you're really saying is, well, no, we've, we've got to get a little bit more nuanced and sophisticated than that because all we're going to be doing in those situations is harnessing the same 10%. Yeah, and this point that I'm sharing with you this is thousands of years old. Everything I've just said to you has been passed down to me unbroken. Because then back in the day when you were a warrior, you were a Shaolin monk or you were a samurai, I mean, life and death was on the line every day. Every day you walked out. So they actually had to find out the ultimate human capability that you could have, the ultimate potential. And how do you train it? That's why you always hear those ancient traditions of Zen and of being in the moment. And they, everybody talks about it. even Yoda. Right? Yoda talks about it all the time. Is the force within you? I mean, it, but it's based on the Shaolin monks. Yeah. A lot of people may not know that George Lucas actually studied them and their philosophy and put the force and the way in there for the Jedi. But that's real at the end of the day. But it's about you training it and uh, understanding your own limitations. One of the greatest things martial arts has taught me is to discover the cause of my own ignorance. It's the big, biggest thing. I'm like, man, I'm my biggest enemy. And the moment you think you know something, you've stopped growing. That's when the whole journey stops. So just be this student that's always open and ready to go and ready to learn and learn from everybody. I learn from my students every day. I learn from interactions. I learn from watching you on stage. I was like, man, she asks the best questions. When you were interviewing Rich, Sir Richard Branson yesterday, I was like, I just watched how you magically crafted the energy up and down of that, of that interview. I was like, wow, look at that. I was talking to Eric about that. And that's what I was saying to him. She's a master at what she does. No, it was fantastic. And when he said you were going to be interviewing me, I was like, oh, this is going to be great. It's going to be easy. It's going to be easy. It's going to be fun. But that's the thing. Everything's an opportunity always to learn, right? Otherwise, what's the point? Really, what's the point? Right? If there's a limit that you're going to reach, why do something? You touched on a moment ago that a lot of this sort of stuff you're talking about, uh, people's perception would often be that it's sort of Eastern as such. You know, maybe a little bit left of center, a little bit hippie, so to speak, um, which is often the the excuse people will give for not taking the ideas up and thinking through, well, how could they apply for me? Should I give them the better for the doubt? Should I have a go? I'm interested that a lot of your career has actually been taking these uh, these practices that you've you've shared with us and into Fortune 500 companies, uh, into coaching the world's leading executives, working with Navy SEALs and SWAT teams. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you think these ideas marry up with business culture, leadership, high performance, uh, because I would argue that probably a lot of business to date has denied a lot of the things that you're touching about. You know, the role of being present, the holistic self, et cetera. Do you see this becoming more and more relevant now? So the greatest leaders do that anyways. The greatest leaders lead by connection and communication. And the number one thing that they do is they listen and watch. They listen. So their skills of observation are watching. So whether we're talking about martial arts, hunting or leadership. It's your ability to be in the moment and watch and listen and not just speak. And that's the biggest difference. And use empathy. 
and use the ability to connect. I believe in relationship-based leadership. So whether we're talking about elite military or we're talking about elite Silicon Valley companies or even uh, folks like Sir Richard Branson, I will guarantee you across the board, all of them come from that perspective of building a relationship where they truly understand the people that they're working with, what drives them, what motivates them. And then they lead them to perform on their own to the best. They lead them like a water. They're leading them to find and discover the best version of who they are and empower them to be leaders themselves. Now, we could call it Eastern philosophy or Western psychology. Those are just labels. Mm. But at the end of the day, that's performance. Right? That's performance where it comes down to. So I think sometimes where the, like you said, the, the barrier to the introduction happens because it's misunderstood. It's misunderstood. It's almost like when people are like, oh, just breathe and you can do amazing things. True. But how? Yeah. Right? A little, bit more, a little bit more to it, right? So just like when I said meditation, how many people try it? How many failed? Even your audience right now ask, asking the people listening, how many of you tried it and how many of you failed? I'm with you because I'm the guy that failed. Okay. That's why I wrote a book called Mindboxing, right? Because the war is within. But I think that the most important thing is what motivates people to accept this is that there's a greater motivator and that's pain. Mm -hmm. The greatest motivator for change is pain and discomfort. When you can describe the problem better than the person experiencing the problem, they're going to listen to what you have to say for the solution. Wow, there's a lot of truth in that, isn't there? One of the things I was interested in was, I know your family has an extraordinary uh, legacy and lineage when it comes to martial arts. You're steeped in this tradition. What was the moment or the insight where you went, oh my gosh, this is my vocation. This is this is something I need to take to the world and share with the world because it can fundamentally change the lives of individuals and shape organizations. A couple tipping points. Number one, when I was graduating from uh, University of California. I did my computer and electrical engineering degree there. You know, I was just like everybody else in the Silicon Valley dot-com boom days, right? It was like, I'm going to get an engineering degree. I'm going to get a sports car. I'm going to buy my house. I'm going to have my stock options and I'm going to become a millionaire. And that was my goal, right? And then boy, I graduated and it hit me in the face of what that really meant. That it meant that this is not actually what I thought it was about. And all the money in the world can't really actually buy your happiness. So there was that part. And the next piece was on graduation, um, we all went for a bonfire. And uh, this was in San Francisco, Ocean Beach. And, and myself and some friends of ours, we came late. And uh, it was about an hour and a half from our school because my school was Davis campus at University of California. It's about an hour away, hour and a half away. So we came late. And long story short, what do you do to celebrate? So here's another lesson for the audience. Bad things happen to you when you're having a good time when you least expect it. <laughs> Don't let your guard down because there's a such thing as being too happy. Because when you're happy, your energy is all over the place. Ah, you're celebrating and you don't see 25 gangsters approaching out of the darkness. Oh, wow. Right? You yeah. don't see them. So we pulled over. We, we, the bonfire was 100 yards away. And here, let's have a couple beers, cheers. And literally, like a movie out of the darkness, came 25 local gangsters. That was their turf. They were looking for someone. My roommate was standing to the left of me and they thought that he was that someone. And within an instant, boom, he was taken into the middle. They were swinging two by fours at us. I went to block one. I broke my elbow. I'm even running around. And then that true moment of fight or flight happens where you have to make the decision, do I run or do I stay? And that was my roommate, my best friend. And I said, I'm going to stay. 
but that was no hero because I didn't know what to do. <laughs> and so I'm just running around and, and uh, it looked like people playing football and they're chasing me around the parking lot, right? And um, divine intervention, the two guys they were looking for happened to walk by and they recognized that. And as they did that, they jumped on those guys. I dragged my, my, my roommate out of there. And uh, I remember I came, I had also been hit on the head. I came up to look at the license plate or something. And then somebody had called the police. So up at the top of the hill, you could see the sirens of the cops coming down. They're still a couple of miles away, but you can see it happening. And I remember it was like slow motion. Everything was happening in slow motion. That's the first time I experienced the present moment. It was the matrix. Everything slowed down. I just didn't know what to do in that situation. And uh, I remember I went to get, look at the license plate and then the driver stepped out. I saw him reach into his pants. He was wearing gray sweatpants. I just, something told me, turn around and run. And I hear two shots, pop, pop. And that was the day that changed my life. It completely transformed my life because it, first A, I was angry and I was pissed off. I've been doing martial arts my whole life. Didn't know what to do. That was like outside the dojo. This was like the real thing. So part of your ego, part of who you think you are, everything, you know what I mean? It's confronting. And so then I said, man, but I was fueled with so much anger. So I'll be honest, I was an angry person. I was like, I'm going to, I want to be the baddest man on the planet. That was it. Like, this is never going to happen to me again. I would have dreams of hunting these guys down like a Charles Bronson movie. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like a Rambo or something like that. And, but, but that consumed me. And then I went on a quest to learn from the best masters that I could find all over the world. And then I finally found a master that was the trainer of the the Navy SEALs, like the original one when they were still called the dev team. And then uh, at the same time, I found a uh, Kung Fu master. So I had read about this thing called the death touch. This is how messed up I was. I was like, I'm going to learn how to do the death touch to people, right? I know it sounds like something out of Kill Bill, but that's what was going on in my mind. Um, And I was like, but then who's actually going to teach me that? They're going to think this guy's nuts. So I started to get uh, books on the subject and I noticed everything's about Chinese medicine, the meridians and all that. I was like, hmm, I'll just enroll in medical Qigong class, of course. And so I enrolled in a four-year program. And a complete four-year program, which was medical Qigong, was meant to heal people. But I was taking it because I wanted to harm people because I was so angry. And over time, my master, the process, healed me. So I went from the death touch to the healing end. I was like, wait a sec, there's so much more to this. I was able to forgive those attackers. I was able to let it go. And when I was able to let that go, I saw, wow, how many things is it that we all actually hold on to? And I started to realize this is my path. And then my idea of life, what is it? What was the purpose of it? You can, you can, you can have your Ferrari and love it too, you know? But the thing about it is that um, it really comes down to why. What is the purpose here? And who are you? Then the question, that's when I started asking myself the question. Who am I really? Why am I here really? And I love teaching. And I loved how it made me feel when somebody else was able to do something successful. You've touched on earlier and throughout our conversation, the incredible masters that you've had the opportunity to learn from over the course of your career. I know this is probably a ridiculously hard question, but is there a particular piece of advice or wisdom that sticks out to you as being the most significant? To operate with 100% impeccability. Be impeccable in your thoughts, your actions, and your words. Always be impeccable. The impeccability has to be the sharpness of your sword, your spirit of who you are. That's where it's rooted. And in impeccability, 
the biggest part of impeccability is you have to be impeccable with managing your own energy. Because if I'm walking around in a state of energy drain, I cannot be here, right here, right now. Because your energy, how you feel physically, mentally, and emotionally, is going to impact how you perceive what's happening. So it's kind of like, uh, you know, he's driving in some fog. The, there's a beautiful highway, Highway Pacific One Highway in California, which is one of the most beautiful drives in the world. But it's very foggy. So it's so foggy, you can just see what's in front of you. But when the fog clears, there's a beautiful ocean. There's redwood trees. You're in the most amazing place. But that fog is the perception, the fog of war, we call it. So if your energy is drained, you only see tunnel vision what's in front of you. You can't even see the tip of your own nose. But when your energy is high, you don't perceive, you actually see what's really there. And when you see what's there, you can prioritize what it is you want to do. And based off those priorities, you can make decisions. So it's a simple formula that I came up with after that teaching. It's called EPPD. Your energy impacts your perception. That impacts how you prioritize things. And that impacts the decisions that you make. And then those, that's what you're going to act on. And so what do you consciously do from that day-to-day, week-to-week energy management standpoint to make sure that you're capable of delivering your best? Every day. It's a, it's a process every day. So there's something I call arrive before you leave. Um, that's what I do every morning. And it's something I teach elite executives. So if you guys would like, I could share that with you. It's a simple process. Okay. Victory or defeat is determined before you leave your house every day. Because the state of mind you're in before you walk out that door is going to determine how you're going to handle things that come up. So are you version A, 2.0, or version B? Which one is it? So the option is, the worst option B, wake up just in time, slam some coffee, and start to rush. Rushing, rushing, rushing. Fast, fast, fast. Meeting, meeting, meeting. The other option, wake up earlier, which takes discipline, which is another muscle that has to be trained. Wake up earlier and start your day off with success with the following routine. Number one, as soon as you wake up, Drink water. Drink a lot of water because your body's in a state of dehydration. Most of us live in dehydrated state. That's the reason why, you know, everybody has that 2 p.m. munchies or they go for the coffee. The reason is you're not really hungry. You just ate lunch two hours ago. It's you're dehydrated and your body doesn't know how to adjust. So start by drinking water. So about, I drink about 40 ounces of water right when I wake up, which is about two, two liters, about two liters or a liter and a half to two liters. Build yourself up to that. <laughs> yeah, you got to go to the bathroom. But drink a lot, at least three glasses of water, right, when you wake up. After you do that, do some mindfulness practice. Or I call it mind boxing, where you just focus on centering yourself into the moment by focusing on your breath, watching the inhale, watching the exhale. That's the next piece. Right after that, break a sweat. Break a sweat. The body is the temple. The body is the vehicle. It can't be ignored. And I'm not talking about go to the gym and work out because that's actually not possible for most people. Mm-hmm. It's too hard to spend an hour and a half to go to the gym, then come back, get ready and do and They can't sustain it. I say break a sweat. In 10 minutes, you can break a sweat right there in your living room. Just do some burpees. And, and everybody knows a burpee. If you don't know a burpee, look it up on YouTube. <laughs> Just do a burpee for 10 minutes. Just do set a timer for 10 minutes to do that. You will break a sweat because the purpose is to break a sweat. Because when we break a sweat, we change, have a physiological change that happens. The uh, endorphins, epinephrine, norepinephrine, norepinephrine, serotonin, start to get released uh, in your body and starts to make you feel good. Now, the next step right after that is to go take a cold shower. 
circulation, your immune system, waking you up. Now I hate cold showers. I hate them. And I do this every day and I hate them, but it's the first victory over myself. I start the day off winning. It's the first victory. Now I'll give you an easy way to do the cold showers. Okay. okay? You can't just jump in there and go to the cold shower. You're like, ah, you're going to jump out. Start with a uh, warm shower in the first week, 30 seconds of cold and then warm again. Week number two, warm shower, 30 seconds of cold, warm, one more, 30 seconds of cold, warm. It's easy to do. You can handle that. Week three, cold, warm shower, one minute of cold, warm, one minute of cold. Week two, two minutes of cold. You got to have it going. You just got to do it step by step. First 30 seconds, you're going to be like, oh my God, oh my God. But you're going to feel so good after and just breathe. If you notice when that starts happening, <laughs> you'll go to your chest and start to like get tense. And just, you just got to just let it go. And when you let it go, it's a magical thing that happens in that shower. And we start every day with it. So you start already with a victory of yourself. So then later when you're going to reach for that extra piece of cake, right? When you're going to pound that, you're going to pound that extra cup of coffee or whatever your vice may be, you're going to stop it because you can do it. But it's, it's something that has to be trained. Now, after you have that cold shower, then you're going to have something healthy to eat. Now, by healthy, there's many diets and stuff like that. I don't prescribe to that. I prescribe to a method. And in the morning, you don't want to have carbohydrates. So bread, and grains, you don't want to have them in the morning because it increases your insulin level. When it increases your insulin level, it increases inflammation. And as soon as you have that in the beginning, in the morning, you're going to crave it all day long. And then your mind is going to get bogged down. Carbohydrates bring you down, slow you down. It's very important to understand. So in the, as breakfast, have some protein and have some fat. Have fat. That'll keep you away from sweets later. And for the vegetarians out there, you can have lentils and put some MCT oil in there. But the ultimate breakfast is a boiled egg. And that's nature's equivalent of protein and fat. So have a few boiled eggs. So start by fueling yourself properly. Then right after that, learn something new. Something new that has nothing to do with your work. It has nothing to do with anything other than the thing that you want to learn about. Why is it that we all have something that we want to learn about? I'm sure you've got something, right? Yeah. It's just something. It's just random. And if, where did it pop into your head? For me, one time it was about navigating the stars, <laughs> right? Because I, I heard about the ancient Hawaiians and I was just interested in it. It's like, well, why am I interested in it? Instead of questioning why you're interested in it, it'd be like, you're interested in it. So read about it. It might be gardening. It might be um, origami. Who knows? Mm. Whatever it is that you're interested in, just read. And I'm talking 10 minutes. I'm not talking to sit there forever, 10, 15 minutes. What that does is it creates the creative muscle to continue to keep growing. When we're kids, we're always learning something new. Mm. But then as soon as we leave that, we stop learning how to learn. And the wiring gets changed. And finally, last but not least, 10 breaths of gratitude. What are you grateful for? What are all the blessings that you have in your life? Just sit there in those 10 breaths and just let it fuel you up. Let it make you feel amazing. Like this golden light inside you, your, your family, your health, your career, your, the food you have, the mm -hmm. shelter over your house, the opportunities, the strength. You know, I always say, don't pray for an easy life. Pray for the strength to endure the difficult one. I love that line. I'm going to write that down when I get out of here and, and put it somewhere that I'm looking at uh, all the time because I think there's there's a lot in that. That's beautiful. Sifu, final question I want to ask you. I'm so grateful for the time that you spent with us today. If you could leave our listeners with a call to action, what would you like to encourage them to do? Honestly, express yourself. 
Learn to honestly be you and express yourself regardless of what anybody else thinks. Always go out and serve and help. Do your best. But at the same time, don't care about a single thing anybody thinks about you. That is the yin yang. Give it your all. Express yourself. Who are you truly? Don't be afraid of what other people think. Don't be afraid of failure. Don't be afraid of not being good enough. Those aren't real fears. You're just limiting yourself. So be to be fearless or to fear less, you will be limitless. Well, what a great note to finish on. Sifu, thank you so much for your time. I'm so grateful that you've um, made yourself available to have this conversation. I've thoroughly enjoyed myself. This is one of those chats where I've written down notes throughout and I'm going to go listen to it again straight away so I can think about what's the practical way I'm going to take what Sifu shared and apply to my own life. And a big part of that I must share with the audience is, is being in Sifu's presence uh, he is so grounded and yet there's such a strong, rock-solid, anchored power, which uh, naturally intrigues me as to, wow, can can what he's talked about, can the practice and habits that he's so brilliantly honed uh, bring that sort of uh, application to my own life? So, see-through, thank you for giving us so much food for thought, um, for sharing so generously uh, and for making the time available to chat to Coffee Pods today. Uh, thank you so much for your time and thank you to the audience for listening. And uh, if you ever have any questions, you can always uh, reach out. My website is mindboxing.com and uh, you can find how to reach out to me there. I've got a new book coming out and uh, look forward to maybe coming back on again with you next time. Thanks for listening. I hope you feel inspired and have some practical ideas for how you can go and fuel the difference you want to see in your life, organization or community. If that's a yes, please take a moment to send us feedback, shoot me a tweet at Holly Ransom, leave a review for this coffee pod, or head to www.coffeepodswithholly.com and send in your questions and suggestions for future coffee pods. But for now, until our next coffee break, I've been Holly Ransom. Thanks for fueling your difference with me.